The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. State had scored first in every game they had played this year, but it's the Hawkeyes that strike first in 7-0. A 12-play, 80-yard touchdown drive, scripting those first dozen plays or so, right on script that entire drive for the Hawkeyes. It was big boy football, run it, and then find your tight ends. A physical Iowa team has shown up. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. We have the first of our two weekly reporters' notebook segments in this podcast. This show features Susan Dank, who looks back at the Hawks' loss in Columbus to Ohio State. You'll also hear some of what Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz had to say on the weekly Big Ten Coaches Call. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeyes' Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporters Notebook podcast this week with Scott Docterman. The Iowa-Ohio State game highlights are courtesy of AB with announcers Bob Weishusen and Rod Gilmore. A nice job calling this game. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz participated, as usual, in the weekly Big Ten Coaches Conference call. Here's some of what he had to say about handling two bye weeks this season, about offensive coordinator Greg Davis, the criticism he took last year, and the credit he should receive now for the improvement in Iowa's offense, about the Iowa Northwestern series and whether it's become a true rivalry, about the continuing development and play of quarterback Jake Rudock and his performance in the horseshoe, and about true freshman cornerback Desmond King, who was named Big Ten Freshman Player of the Week. The, the first uh, bye week actually came at a good time, and we had some injury problems, so it gave us a chance to maybe get some guys better better able to practice and compete and that type of thing, so it worked out fine. Yeah, there's a lot of first, I think, going on with expansion, etc., so you just hang around long enough and, and uh, you know, you go through a few of those. But I think uh, it's like any bye week. You just you make the most of it. You'll probably have a, a plan that's flexible, and I think, at least in our part, uh, certainly got one coming up here in three weeks, we'll probably treat that one a little differently than we did the, the last one, and uh, happy with what we did last time, but uh, we'll probably alter the, the other one just because we're going to be later in the season, etc., and uh, maybe give the guys a little bit more time away, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's just, I think it's an individual thing, you just figure out where uh, where you're at as a team and try to do what's uh, best for uh, for the guys, just like you would during a game week. 
Yeah, you know, it's just the nature of being a coordinator. It's interesting. It's an interesting phenomenon for me, at least. Maybe I'm, I live a sheltered life, but it seems like in the last decade, uh, offensive coordinators are uh, garnering more attention than they ever have, and uh, especially in a negative uh, negative light, you know, they've really become lightning rods. So, yeah, it's a hard job. Yeah, but the bottom line is that, you know, we're a better, I think, a better offensive football team than we were last year. We're more experienced, and, and we're still hardly out of the woods yet, but we're a little bit more experienced and uh, a little bit more balanced. So, but I, I think, you know, the thing that impressed me about Greg right off the bat, uh, everybody I talked to said the same thing about him. And when I met him and uh, spent some time with him, it became very apparent that he's a tremendous, tremendous person and uh, an outstanding teacher. Obviously, he knows the game, but he's a great teacher, has a great ability to uh, get his ideas across to the staff and the players. And I thought he's an excellent coach a year ago. And I think, you know, some of that's starting to show up a little bit right now. So it's uh, the one thing about, about football, you know, it takes time. And uh, uh, when you go through a new system, installing a new system, that takes time as well. And we certainly have done that offensively, defensively, not to this same extent. I don't know about what that word rivalry means. I mean, all Big Ten games are really important. I think, you know, if you play conference football, which until I came here in 81, I had really, I was a tip for one year, we weren't in a conference back then, so it was a little different. But, you know, anytime you're in a conference, I think you, you understand the meaning of uh, every conference game, and I've been involved in 20-plus of these, I guess, so I don't think we have time enough time to go through each and every game. But, you know, it, it's conference football. It's conference football. Every game is really important, and uh, this is certainly a, an important game, I think, for both both teams playing this week. Every 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 game is a step, obviously, but you know how you, how you handle steps is uh, critical. And you know he didn't play a perfect game, but going into another tough environment, that was our third road game. Uh, certainly the largest crowd that that we've played against with him as a quarterback. So you know we ask our quarterbacks to to do a lot when they're in there in terms of uh, making sure we're in the right plays or getting us in the right plays, those types of things. And you know, he continues just to to show a lot of poise out there, a lot of control, and plays well. But but more just as important as just his demeanor. And uh, when he does make a mistake, I've been saying this for however many weeks now when he makes a mistake he seems to to push through that and uh, move on to the next place so it's those are all good signs and and he made some good throws and uh you know so we're just pleased with the way he's coming along and the way he's leading our team it's been a good story and uh, not one that we necessarily saw coming. Uh, Jordan Lomax was our corner throughout the spring and, and camp and then uh, had some, some leg issues, some muscle issues, and um, had, to, had to come out early. So Desmond was the next man in. He did a good job uh, from the day he walked in and got started here in August. And yeah, he hasn't played perfect. Nobody does. But uh, he's really kind of, like I just mentioned, Jake Rudock, not, not seemingly being over overwhelmed by everything. And Desmond's kind of been the same way, which is, is on, unusual for a true freshman like that. Compare it maybe a little bit. Uh, we had a guy, Antoine Allen, back in, in 2002, got thrown into the mix unexpectedly in August, and he was a redshirt freshman, and did a nice job, you know, handling it. So it's it's a tough position to play, especially for a younger player, but uh, Desmond has is, is really responded well, and we're very, very proud of him, and really glad he's on our team. He's a, he's a great young man to have on the team. Mike Meyer from 28, to make it a touchdown lead again. Just sneaks it inside the left upright, and with seven seconds to go in the first quarter, Bradley Roby ejected, and Iowa up by seven. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. <laughs>
Time now for the first of our two weekly Reporters Notebook shows with Susan Dank. You can read Susan's articles in The Hawkeye and online at thehawkeye.com. You can also follow Susan on Twitter at Susan Dank. Susan looks back at the Ohio State game and more. Susan and Columbus on Saturday, kind of a tale of two halves. The Hawkeyes won the first, leaving Ohio State and Urban Meyer looking a bit shell-shocked as they went into the locker room. But then the Buckeyes roared back and dominated in every aspect in the second half. Yeah, I think it was a, a very shocking first half for, for both sides. I don't know if fans of either team expected what happened in the first half with Iowa just coming out and shredding the Ohio State defense, not having any trouble at all marching down the field and scoring. And then the second half, I, I think the Buckeyes guys realized, okay, we can't let this happen. We need to, to step it up, and our, you know, especially on defense and get things going. And Braxton Miller stepped up, and Carlos Hyde stepped up on offense, and they really adjusted well, and something you know the Hawkeyes couldn't do, and just ran away with it, really, in the second half. Iowa ran only 18 plays in that second half versus Ohio State's 53. That's a big eye-opener right there. And then the Buckeyes scored on their first four drives in that half. Their time of possession, overwhelming domination again in the second half, 23 minutes plus to just under seven for Iowa. And in that second half, they also converted eight of ten third downs, and in the fourth period, five of seven. Yeah, it was just crazy. I don't know if Iowa decided to stay in the locker room at halftime or what. I mean, at the beginning, it looked good. You know, obviously, Ohio State came out and, you know, took the lead. But then Iowa answered right back, you know, the, the huge play to do the side the game at 24. But then after that, it just seemed like they couldn't do anything at all. And, you know, Braxton Miller really did what Braxton Miller can do and, and showed, you know, the nation and, and Hawkeyes, you know, what you can do. And Carlos Hyde really came alive in his, I believe it was his fourth game back after his suspension, just made unbelievable plays. You know, we knew going in that Ohio State had incredible athletes, incredible football players and playmakers, and they really showed that in that second half. Halfway through the fourth quarter, I tweeted that Braxton Miller should legally change his name to extends plays. Between him and Carlos Hyde there, they just really finally broke Iowa's defensive spirit, I think, with a back-to-back spectacular runs. They did. Uh, it's, and I, I know it's not just Ohio, um, Iowa's defense they make look silly, but they really made the Hawkeyes look silly there. The Braxton Miller play when I don't even know how many times he should have been tackled. And he, he was literally running around circles around the Iowa defense and just making plays. And then the play with Carlos Hyde, you know, where he was stopped and stumbled backwards and then somehow got his momentum to shift and go forward and you know fall into the end zone. It, it was just absolutely incredible. The 19th consecutive win by the Buckeyes. That's the longest winning streak in the nation. Iowa's seventh straight loss in Columbus. They won't have a chance to make that an eighth loss or break that until 2020 at the earliest. But you have to think Iowa came out of that game having gained a fair amount of confidence. I think some of the players reflected that. They certainly showed poise in a hostile environment. They played tough. They played with a lot of physicality most of the game coming off the bye week. And, you know, when you lead 17 to 10 at the half in the horseshoe and you're tied 24 going into the fourth quarter, you have to feel pretty good about yourself. You would think that they, you know, that would be the case. You know, the way they played, I think, just shocked everybody. Jake Rudock coming out and, you know, starting in the horseshoe, his first really huge stadium experience just looked really good. The defense, you know, even though Ohio State was scoring there in that first half, you know, it was a bend-dome break. They were only allowed them into the end zone one time. They really were looking really good. You know, the run game, the pass game, they really got the tight ends involved. Everything seemed to be clicking, you know, especially after that bye week. You just don't 
don't really know. Are they going to come out on fire? Are they going to come out rusty? What it's going to be? But it was just amazing how they came out. And much as they said, there are no moral victories, and obviously they wanted the win. I think that was huge. And now they're going against the Northwestern team that really has faded the last three games. You alluded to it a couple of minutes ago. In a game like this, looking at the whole game, the overall situation between the two teams, it's clear that Ohio State's overall talent level is superior to Iowa's, and for that matter, probably most other teams in the Big Ten, and their speed is superior to most teams in the Big Ten. And, you know, it does kind of point out a bit, Iowa's, I think, had not so much last year, but for a couple of years, they were encountering some recruiting difficulties, having maybe a couple of down recruiting classes, and ultimately, you can't afford that when you're going up against the Big Ten's upper tier of teams. No, you can't at all. And you could see that, you know, especially, you could see that in the first half, but especially then in that second half when Ohio State pulled away. Just the athleticism of those players and the speed and everything else, it was just, you know, that much better than even the best players that Iowa has. And it was really amazing to watch some of these players. You know, but then you point to, you know, Jake Doozy just completely outrunning (laughs) the secondary of Ohio State. And I know Urban Meyer said afterwards that kind of concerned him a little bit because he wouldn't think something like that would happen. But he just looked at Carlos Hyde. I think people afterwards were calling him beast and just how big and physical he was. And, and of course, Braxton Miller. I mean, people have been talking about him for years and, and everything that he can do with his arm and with his feet. Now, obviously, Urban Meyer knows how to recruit. You know, controversy, obviously, coming to the Big Ten and in his recruiting you know, tactics and everything. But he can definitely get the players in. And Iowa, especially now, cannot afford to have any down recruiting years if they want to compete. Let's talk some more about Iowa's offense. They rediscovered the tight end, certainly, or let's put it this way, demonstrated the depth they have at tight end in some fairly innovative formations, some three tights, double tights, tight ends spread out. They ultimately combined, the tight ends did, for 11 catches, 191 yards, and two touchdowns in that game. And certainly, as you just said, a breakout game for Jake Doozy, not the least of which was that spectacular 85-yard TD pass where, as you said, he outran the entire Buckeye secondary. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I mean, they came out, and it must have been something they were really focusing on coming into the game because they came out in the Iowa's first drive. They threw, I think, five passes and four of them were to tight ends. That was just the theme throughout the entire game. I mean, they just really focused on these guys, and it didn't really seem like Ohio State could do anything to stop it. it and it was crazy. You know, I don't know if they, you know, confused the Buckeyes, you know, throwing two and three tight ends out there or what the deal was, but it was really great to finally see them involved. I know we've talked about in the past, last year, they really didn't get the tight ends involved with this offense at all. So it was nice to see them finally get this chance to show what they can do and show you know, why Iowa's been known for having some really good tight ends. It does sort of make you scratch your head and wonder where that has been earlier this year, and you would have to think they're going to pull that out more often now because it really does create some significant defensive matchups for opponents. It does, and it's really kind of weird because there were really no answers afterwards asking if it's something that you know Iowa had seen on tape when they were watching film on Ohio State or where exactly this came from. They really didn't really give us any answers as to you know why they all of a sudden decided to do this. I don't know if they just don't have much faith in their wide receivers, if it's just something, you know, having that bye week. They really practicing and decided to see, okay, is this going to work? And since it was, they just kept going with it. But, you know, it, it really worked really well, and hopefully they do continue to do it. Another solid, impressive road performance by Jake Rudock. Again, three difficult places to play on the road so far this season. And in each one, he's shown poise, leadership, and the ability to really go the extra mile to communicate at the line of scrimmage in a loud environment. He really did well with that. I mean, I wasn't down on the field until at the very end of the game, but wow, I mean, you can just tell how loud that is, and I can't even imagine how it is on the field, you know, when 
there trying to, to run plays and communicate with everybody, but he did do a really good job. You know, no delay of game penalties. There was one that was close, but they got a timeout call just in time. So, but the fact that that didn't happen at all and, and, and that they all seemed to be on the, the same page the entire time was just amazing. He really keeps progressing each week, and he shows that he can stay very poised and, and calm in a situation like that. He did throw the one pick late in the fourth quarter, but that was really the only noticeable mistake, and he was trying to make something happen there. It was the only turnover of the game by either team, and once again, Iowa's lost the three games in which it's lost the turnover battle. It won the four where it won the turnover battle. Just showing you know, how huge it is to, to hold on to that ball and take care of the ball. You know, you can't be giving opponents, especially somebody as good as Ohio State, chances like that to score when you just kind of hand them something. Probably the best three opening drives of the year for Iowa's offense. The first one in particular really seemed to set the tone for the first half, and they finished drives in that first half, which has been a bit of a problem so far this year. They did. You kind of wondered, you know, you saw them and they, they came out the first drive. They were doing five yards, three yards, three yards, and they converted several third downs, and you were just kind of, there was just kind of a sense of, okay, you know, when are they going to lose? When are this just going to stop and they wouldn't be able to continue on? It never did. You know, they were just able to keep going and find the end zone, and it was really great to see. You said that has been a problem for them where they get down there and they just can't get it into the end zone and they have to settle for field goals or whatever else may happen. And I don't know if they found something during that bye week or if it was something with the Ohio State defense or what was going on, but it was great to see. And you just kind of hope that that momentum and, and, you know, that change kind of continues on the second half of the season here. I was surprised that Iowa couldn't do a better job of exploiting an obviously weakened Ohio State defensive secondary in the second half, especially after Bradley Roby was uh, ejected for targeting in the first half. Yeah, it was kind of funny the way some of that play calling went. You know, they were having so much success throwing the ball, and then all of a sudden they start running it. Well, they weren't having any success with that, so I wasn't quite understanding some of those drives where you're looking at one after the game was tied at 17, and all of a sudden they run four straight times. And it just, you know, that wasn't working, and I'm not really sure why they all of a sudden decided to do that when they were having so much success in the passing game. Turning to Iowa's defense, played pretty well in the first half. They played well again, pretty much all game inside the red zone. They did give up another one of those long TD passes, and Tanner Miller got completely burned on that play. Well, you kind of excite me. It's Ohio State. I don't know how many teams have not given up big plays to Ohio State. Just with the players they have, they're they're going to make plays like that. But obviously, the secondary has been a concern. Braxton Miller threw for 222 yards and two touchdowns. He only missed five passes. But there were a lot of right spots on the defense. Desmond King was just named the freshman of the week in the Big Ten. Um, they did get some pressure on Miller and sacked him a couple of times and, and pressured him a lot. He obviously can get out of that quite a bit with his tail, but they were getting to him and getting some pressure on him, so that was good to see. Iowa finally surrendered its first rushing touchdown of the season, seven games in. That's a positive. But in the second half, you saw Ohio State burn the Hawkeyes time and again, primarily by utilizing its speed on the edges and in space. And for much of that second period in particular, it seemed like Iowa, not I won't say enabled them, but certainly it appeared that they went into a much softer zone defense much of that second half. And when you combine that with what Ohio State was doing out on the edge, it was just a bad combination for Iowa. It was a bad combination. It's just, you know, Ohio State made the adjustments they needed to do, and, and Iowa seemed to make different adjustments, maybe not what they needed to do. And, you know, and that combination was just bad. And, and with the talent and everybody that Buckeyes have, that was a bad combination. And you just saw that and, and how easy it was for Ohio State to, to move down the field and score. 
Braxton Miller and Carlos Hyde each rushed for more than 100 yards. That's the first time all year Iowa's defense has given up, uh, allowed a rusher to have more than 100 yards. At the safety position, we talked about Miller getting burned, and sometimes it seems like Tanner Miller is either a hero or a goat. He makes some end zone picks, but then he has uh, he seems to be speed challenged sometimes and, and gets suckered on plays when you don't think he should, given the fact he's a senior. But safety John Loudermilk, who's from Ohio and grew up an Ohio State fan, played pretty well in this game, and he also knocked down what might have been a touchdown pass near the end of the first half. Absolutely. You know, you kind of thought the guys from Ohio grew up being big Buckeye fans would come in there very, very pumped and very excited to play in the horseshoe to, to do everything they can to show maybe you should have recruited me and maybe I should have been playing on the other side here and, and just have really good games, especially in front of their family. He has been pretty quiet all year. I know we've mentioned his name, you know, a number of times, but he has been pretty quiet, but he really did come up with some big plays and played very well the entire game. And I'm, I'm sure he wanted to win, but I'm sure he could, could leave there feeling pretty good about his performance. You mentioned Desmond King. He was Iowa's first ever Big Ten Freshman Player of the Week, but senior linebacker James Morris continued to excel this year. He had a team-high 12 tackles, gives him 348 career tackles, and ties him with Bob Sanders for ninth best in Iowa history. Yeah, it's pretty crazy considering, you know, a lot of fans, I think, have been pretty hard on James Morris and feeling that maybe he hasn't lived up to some of the hype coming in. Put up those numbers. It's just been crazy. He did seem like he was all over the place on Saturday. You know, I think he realizes his last time playing in the horseshoe and, you know, one of the, the last big games of his career and, and, you know, really wanted to go after. But he just every week really plays hard. And he, he just, his name is mentioned all the time, you know, whether it's tackles or backs or whatever it may be. He just can do everything. And if he's not out there, it's really a big loss for, um, you know, Iowa's defense. Overall, a decent day for Iowa's special teams. Another solid performance by Mike Meyer. Made that important field goal. He extended his PAT streak. And there were no uh, successful fake punts. Oh, wait, Ohio State never punted. There were no punts, <laughs> fake or otherwise. So, yeah, Kirk didn't have to worry about that this week. Um, really very few punts the entire game for either team. You know, Jordan Cotton had a few chances with kickoff returns, uh, had a long of 31 yards. Just kind of, you know, solid and spectacular returns for him, but definitely a, you know, a pretty good team's performance all around. To wrap up this week, let's go back a minute and talk about halftime adjustments. We already mentioned how well Ohio State and Urban Meyer appeared to make them on both sides of the ball, really turned that game completely around from their perspective. But a lot of people say that it's as important to make halftime adjustments when you're leading as it is when you're trailing. And sometimes it appears in the last couple of years that the Ferentz staff is not making necessary halftime adjustments. What's your take on that? That is a great point and not something that I had you know, thought too much about. You did expect Ohio State to come out and make those adjustments. You know, and even though they were winning, you know, obviously, like you said, you still have to come out and say, okay, you know that the other team is going to do some things differently. We just can't continue on. You know, it, it did seem like they did make some adjustments, but they unfortunately went the wrong direction. You know, they started running the ball more, which wasn't working. You know, when they were passing, it was being much more successful, but they, you know, I really have a hard time trying to figure out this team and this coaching staff. You, know, you have something that is working, and then all of a sudden, okay, we're ahead, now we're going to go do something else. And it, it just really baffles me. Love to be a fly on the wall in the locker room at halftime just to hear what's going on in there and hear like what they're saying okay you know on offense let's do this or this or you know on defense okay we know they're going to come out and we know they're going to use Hyde more or do this with Miller. It'd be great to see them make some kind of adjustments like Ohio State did. We haven't had the chance to visit for a couple of weeks let's close out here. What's your feel for this team now playing well in Columbus against one of the top ranked teams in the nation 
and certainly the best team in the Big Ten. Going in now to a critical stretch of games, including the first two at Kinnick against Northwestern and Wisconsin. They need two more wins to be bowl eligible. We talked a bit about that two or three weeks ago, but now based on the Ohio State performance, what do you see going forward here? Yeah, based on the performance in Columbus, I mean, I, I would feel pretty good about this team if you if I didn't think about against Michigan State and some of the previous games before that bye. But they looked really good, especially that first half. You know, even in the beginning of the second half, they were looking pretty good. So you got to feel good going forward, especially being at home against Northwestern. This is a team that's reeling. I know the Wildcats and Pat Fitzgerald have really had the Hawkeyes number the last few years. Started coaching them and Fitzgerald took over at Northwestern. You know, they just really are having injury problems and all sorts of issues right now. So you got to feel really good about that game. Wisconsin, it's kind of hard to tell they played Ohio State really close well and then completely blew out Illinois last weekend. It really hard to get a feel for that and then I really, <laughs> I'm having a hard time because I really still don't have a great feel for this team because you look at one game and it's like, oh, okay, they still have all these issues and then you look at the next game and it's like, wow, they really have some potential and they can really do something and it just, I'm interested to see who comes out the next couple of weeks, which team decides to show up. Great story. Compelling and rich. They will be punt-free and will survive a strong test from Iowa, the physical game that Urban Meyer predicted. Kirk Ferentz's team fought valiantly, but the Buckeyes keep the nation's longest win streak alive and extend it to 19 in a row. A terrific effort in the second half by Ohio State as they have now won 19 in a row. They remain undefeated at 7-0 in the fourth spot in the polls. 34-24 the final here at the Horseshoe. Ohio State wins it over Iowa. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. And you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. Our thanks again to ABC for the game highlights this week, and as always, thanks to Susan Dank. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll think about participating. You can do so by phoning and making your own voice heard in our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.